You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie. I'm here with Christy. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Christy. Um, we are going to just dive right in. Mm-hmm. We're going to um, talk about, we have some cool topics today that we're going to talk about. Um, I like talking about the polarized thinking or the, not polarized, distorted, distorted yeah. thinking. We're going to talk about polarized is one of what we're going to do. Yes. Um, just because I think they're traps that we fall into all the time. But anyway, before we do that, how are we going to intro today, Christy? What do you so have for us? So I heard a quote, the problem with society is not today's growing presence of evil, but the silence of Christianity. Oh. Problem with society is not today's growing presence of evil, but the silence of Christianity. I thought that was interesting. So along with that kind of as a thought, what does the Bible show you? I heard this question this past week and I thought the answer was interesting. My answer I'll answer it. I'll actually start. Yeah. It says, what does the Bible show you? And my question, my answer would be God's love, abundant love and grace in your life. Like it's a super easy answer. I'm sure you'll For make you. it longer. Yeah. You'll make it longer. <laughs> Why you'll do have, you think I'll make it longer? Because you like to talk. <laughs> you like to expand on things. I'm not going to do that. I like to talk. But I thought it was interesting. What does the Bible show you? And how often do we, like, you know, holding up a Bible, what mm-hmm. does it show you? Mm-hmm. And like, you're going to have a different answer than Rachel's mm-hmm. going to have a different answer. And so... Somebody would say sovereignty or. Yeah, I guess my answer would be quick, though. I would say the Bible shows me God. No, you, that's boring. Okay. You want something What does that else? mean? Okay, then what does God mean to you? Yeah. So then. It's showing me all the different characters of God. So it's showing okay. me sovereignty, justice, love, mercy, kindness, um, all of it. And I think it also shows me. I think every time, the older I get, the more I'm reading the Bible, I realize how much we pigeonhole God. Like, mm. and I think because as you get older, your his character so expansive, and it's so much something that we can't. Wait, as you grasp. get older, you think people pigeonhole God? In other words, I'm finding our human weakness. Like, there's only so much we can know about God, right? And I feel like the older I get, the more true I realize that is. Like, we put God in these. Um, boxes, you know, like so younger much. when you're growing when up. You, but then, yes. But then, as the older I get, the the more I'm realizing how much we do that. But so like, then, do you do it less because you know that you're doing it? I think I yes, I see. What that's right. That's yes. where I was thinking. Like when I was younger, I totally put God for sure, pigeonhole, put him in box. And that older I've gotten, I'm like, oh gosh, no, there's no, there's no. But boxes you have for to God. work at doing that. I guess is what I'm saying. So I or just realized as humanity or trauma. <laughs> Humanity wise, I'm like, we do it so much. We're terrible at it. And so you have to be intentional about knowing who God is and studying hard and not le- being the enemy of like learning and everything mm-hmm. else yeah. and choosing to spend that time there so that you recognize when you're doing it. Because if you don't spend that time there, you're not even going to realize it. You're just going to keep doing it forever. And you're going to get more pride, I think, in a way. You're going to be mm-hmm. more prideful because you think you know everything. So what about this verse right here? Hebrews 12, 6. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, 
nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scour- scourges every son whom he receives. Mm. Like, remember reading that when you were younger and you were like, oh gosh, I don't, that scares me. Mm-hmm. And then later in life, probably 20s or 30s, you're like, I'm going to skip from six to nine right. and or to seven to where it says I have to endure. Right. Yeah. Like you don't want to think of God as a God that disciplines yeah. the ones he loves. But I think, he, I think it depends on how you view discipline. Yes. A hundred percent. Cause she needs to be in here too. And there's, yeah. Do it. there's Rachel. There's Rachel Schulte's with us. Woohoo. So yeah. say that again. Say I that said, question. I think it depends on how you see discipline and what your definition of discipline is. Cause I think my answer would be similar um, to Debbie's just uh, C.S. Lewis said, that I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun is risen, not because uh, I see it. It's because by it, I see everything else. Mm. And so like that the Lord in the Bible, that that's kind of the lens in which I choose to interpret. And it's a choice, right? Because I know we're going to talk about this with cognitive distortions. Oftentimes we don't think or evaluate what we think about we just mm-hmm. think our thoughts are automatic and so even with that I would say oh well then the automatic thought for someone might be that discipline is a bad thing mm-hmm. when actually discipline can be a good thing because mm-hmm. then you can actually learn really good lessons and when it's done from a loving father who enjoys his kids right who isn't shaming uh, and is not trying to condemn us because there isn't any condemnation, then discipline can actually be a really good thing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the discipline an athlete would use in disciplining to their body. To get better body. at their sport. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. And it is so good. Cause I, and I love that question because I think um, we take so many things. If we've been, I've been a believer since I was mm-hmm. eight, nine years old. So baptized when I was nine, I believe when I was eight. It's easy to take stuff for granted, mm-hmm. right? Things Even the Bible. the Bible, the mm-hmm. Bible for yeah. sure. I mean, we have, I mean, I have so many Bibles in my house. I mean, we live in a country where we can buy as many of them mm-hmm. as you can afford, and even go to half price books and get them for a dollar. I mean, like mm-hmm. they're so accessible, and then read them it's in amazing. a park. Amazing, read them in a park out in the open. Like we, we have so many opportunities here yes. to know God so well through the Bible, and we, um, I think, are kind of illiterate in a lot of ways still even with that at our fingertips but even with that that's not even I mean I think that that could be an excuse and I hear that often I don't know how to read the Bible I don't know how to understand it Mm -hmm. like okay so start in the beginning like you would with any letter start who wrote it right who's it addressed to and it usually says that in the beginning and then there's these little bitty numbers that are in all of the verses that correspond with other that's right. right. And just writing them down and, okay, this means this because this verse says this. And so that's just proving those verses. But that takes more time. We like to sit down and read a book like we would read a fiction novel, right? And we think we should just be able to read it. Whereas if God's really teaching us through it, it takes time. It takes yeah. study. It takes intention. It takes following rabbit trails. So what you're saying like, is it takes discipline. Discipline. Exactly. <laughs> it takes discipline, discipline, Rachel. Learn how to read and that it's not automatic and... Not. Did you have a uh, question, Christy? You were about. To well, I was thinking because we were talking earlier about people that grew up. Let's just use the Book of Daniel because we're studying it right now. But people grew up knowing the Book of Daniel. But what do they really know? The lion's, lion's den, den and the fiery furnace. Sure. And there's sure. so much, so much more prophecy to that in there. Book. So yeah. much in there. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like the first half is just 
awesome. Like, it's just a great, it shows God's character, his sovereignty, what he does, what he tells you. And then the second half is the numbers and the prophecy part. But so often we skip that part or we don't want to go back and relearn it. And that's what you and I were talking Mm -hmm. about earlier is how often do we go back and go, I should probably do a deeper dive into this text because I've only heard it for the pulpit. I'm sitting here studying it now. And because we have more resources, I probably can learn more about it than and I could because 10 I, years ago. God has equipped me with more if I've been studying. Yes. So when I go attack Daniel now, it's going to look different than when I attacked Daniel when I was 20 yes. or when I was 10. And there's also going to be things that you are wrestling with now with That's the character true. of God that maybe you weren't wrestling with. Or Absolutely. a different wrestle. I'd say that it would be a different wrestle than yes. in your yeah. 20s or in yeah. your 30s yes. mm-hmm. versus the way it is. And things you've now. come through that yeah. God's taught you already. That you're like, now I can take that and go, this isn't about me. This is about God and it impacts me. Yeah. But the Bible's not about me. We put ourselves in the Bible all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the other, I think, mistake we make. Um, but man, interesting question. Great question. That's mm-hmm. why Christy's the one that starts us off with Did, these did all we the time. answer it in the sense of like, why? Did you answer it? I don't think no. you answered. What does the Bible show you? Oh, well, oh, yeah, I had said, said that. It. I said the C.S. Lewis quote. I was just yeah. thinking when you said it's, it's silence, but I think. I can't remember. It had to do with World War II. There's another famous quote where silence is a, it's um, to, to not to speak, mm. right? Is is just as much as a failure, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Oh, that speak. was that quote the that you originally started. The problem with society is not today. Mm-hmm. Today's growing presence of evil, but the silence of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. I would say silence is just as much, you know, to not speak out. Uh, and I think it talks about that in Proverbs. I can't recall the verse to mind directly, but when you fail to speak out uh, to someone that's being hauled off, right, then, you know, mm. it's talking about to death, right? You're just as much liable. Mm-hmm. But then it talks about having a quiet tongue sure. often too. So it's yeah. finding Depends. that balance. It does. Depends <laughs> on the situation. Situation. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we are about to talk about polarized thinking here yes. in a little while, black and white. And I think sometimes people who are very polarized in their ah. thinking speak out a little too much. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, we can talk about that a more later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But true. okay. So good opening. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are here with Rachel Schulte, our counseling friend. This is your third time Yay! on our Noisy Narrative podcast, which we're super excited about. Um, we are going to talk about two different distorted ways of thinking. Um, and we have talked about two in the past, and we're going to just kind of mm-hmm. keep peppering these in. Today, we're going to talk about two things, emotional reasoning and the definition of that, how we're defining it, just, I feel it, so it must be true. And we're going to talk about polarized thinking, which is just black and white. This is what I think it is. That's it. And so, Rachel, um, we're going to just be asking questions, but you're going to give us your knowledge. We're going to learn from you. (laughs) We're going to learn. Okay. I can give you a story to this emotional reasoning. I'll never forget. I had a player one time. Her mother would say this, and it did not make sense to me. And I'm thankful now because I see this and I'm like, So you're yes. the coach and she's the volleyball player you're coaching mm-hmm. is what you're saying. Yeah, okay. She got real upset. She made some bad choices. They're about to kick her out of the school. I went to the principal and just pretty much fought for it. Like, no, she needs to be here, whatever. Her mother kept saying her truth is her reality. Did you sorry. chuckle? I did, <laughs> did chuckle. You, did you, so coughing? Sorry. Do you need a cough? You need I some did. water? But her truth is her reality. She would even say things like... um, uh, what, what's the example here? Oh, I feel it. It must be true. And you mm-hmm. could tell the mom fed into this of, well, she's feeling anxious. If something must be going on, something must be happening. What's happening. And you'd be like, nothing's going on. Like nothing's happening. 
Not, mm. There's no reason, but she would keep on saying, well, her reality or her truth is her reality. And I thought that is a horrible way to allow your daughter to think, because I don't want my reality, my truth, my truth. I mean, like you have to watch yourself, especially with girls and emotions. Oh yes. And that's when I saw this, I thought, oh yeah, that's exactly the way that player would be. Cause if she felt it, it was true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was very rarely true whenever she felt it. <laughs> wow. And then there's no coming back from that really. Mm-hmm. Unless you recognize you're doing it. Okay, but that's so, how you go into the emotional reasoning is believing if I feel it, it must be true. Right. So, I mean, essentially, I kind of even back up and go, well, it depends on if you're, who are we talking to? Like, do, is the person we're talking to, are they, do they have kind of like a growth mindset where they can humble themselves underneath the Lord and go, maybe not everything I think is 100% valid, mm-hmm. right? I shouldn't always trust what I feel, nor should I trust what I think, right? And am I willing to submit those things to the word of God, right? Or somebody who has, I would say, just more of a fixed mindset, which is I'm right, you're wrong. Mm. That's going to be, those are going to be two different people. I'm going to approach it from a counseling perspective because those are going to be two different people that I counsel, you know, one that's humble, uh, open to reason, and then uh, yielding to scripture and another one that's not. And so with emotional reasoning, right, it's often the, well, if I feel this way, then this, like you said, then Mm -hmm. this must be true, right? Well, I feel ashamed, so it must be true. I feel bad or I feel afraid or I feel like I'm the worst person on the team. But to that, so if I feel, like I like this, if I feel afraid, I must be in a dangerous situation. Right. That's not always true. No, that's not always true. Oftentimes what happens is we can train our bodies, uh, I mean, especially in the day and the culture that we live in, to just have a physiological response of like fight or flight. And we can have Mm. our uh, nervous systems just be activated. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there was anything cognitively going on now it could be our just our body was triggered maybe we were in a setting where I don't know there's a lot of people around maybe you just consumed a lot of news whatever it was it's kind of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks Mm -hmm. and so instead of going oh my gosh you know I feel anxious my heart is racing something's going on instead of taking some time to like go hey I feel a little anxious okay well I'm going to do, I'm going to take five minutes and do some deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going to do like nature's remedy to anxiety often, which is like, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to jog, run in place, do some jumping jacks. I'm going to take some time to shift my focus and just like meditate on consider the things of the Lord. Right. When Jesus is talking to us about like, consider the lilies, consider the birds. He's specifically kind of teaching you grounding in the sense of you're switching your mind from being judgmental. Right. And thinking through your perspective to just going to descriptive and like looking at things objectively and so when you switch your mind from one aspect of your brain to another it shifts and it starts to calm down Um, and what you're doing is you're engaging your prefrontal cortex and so I'm just approaching it from like also a neuroscience lens which I think is fascinating because I think that the more um, I've read about neuroscience and neurobiology all it does is validate scripture Mm -hmm. Uh, for sure yeah I would totally agree with Uh, you yeah I mean because I mean Paul wrote Romans 12 like don't be conformed to this world but like transform with the renewing of your mind uh and there's so often in there the lord talks about you know taking our thoughts captive right and that we're to wrestle those things down so these things i'm saying 
aren't things that are easy. Um, I remember talking with multiple people like that they just think their thoughts are automatic, right? Well, this is it or the feeling. The feeling's automatic, right? So this is it. So we don't know what's but it's not a the result chicken or the of egg. thinking. It's not a result of a belief system yeah. that you've developed over time. And, and all emotions come from belief somewhere. One hundred percent. And so all emotions come from beliefs. Like they're not questioning what they're thinking. They're thinking it's automatic, right? And mm-hmm. so then what I feel is true. What I feel, I say. What I say, I do. What I do, I become. And so teaching them to kind of slow down mm-hmm. that train mm-hmm. and start to doubt, you know, their thoughts and doubt their anxieties and doubt their feelings. Doubt slash question? Yes. Mm. Like treat them like a, a suspect on a witness stand. Mm, I like that. That's a good visual. Yeah. You just question them, mm-hmm. not That's in good. a not in a not an aggressive way that uh, maybe that an attorney would, but like thinking about um, just <laughs> like wanting to peel back some layers. Yeah, look what's really driving them. So then, yeah. here's a question I have for you. Then, um, how can you tell the difference? This is an emotion. Then, so you're questioning them. You're mm-hmm. looking at them. So this is an emotion that's real, valuable. It's pointing me to something. Mm-hmm. How do I know if it's pointing me to something worthwhile? Mm-hmm. That like, for example, I'm running into a road, my kids running a road that drives me to action. That fear is valid, sure. drives me to action, whatever. Versus something that you're like, no, I, when I peel this back, I look, it's not really something I need to be making decisions on. I mm-hmm. need to examine this. Cl-. Like, how can you tell the difference? I mean, I would say, I mean, what you just said too, is like one is based on, there's like wisdom. Obviously, if your child runs in the middle of the road, it's not safe. Right. Right. Uh, and then the other one can be based on just, you know, a feeling like, well, I feel this way. So this could potentially happen. And so I think, uh, you know, like you said, it's the potential that gets right. us, right? It's, it's like, the, like feeling like I'm going to be a failure before I even start. Something. Exactly. Right. And then that can exactly. actually end up being a self-fulfilling prophecy because then maybe you don't actually even try. Right. And so then we'd have to say, well, what's our definition of failure? Is mm. it someone who like fails and actually tries kind of, you know, which Teddy Roosevelt said that person wouldn't be a failure versus the person who doesn't try at all. Right. And so I think it depends on that. But I think as far as like emotions, like I would say, man, do, like the Lord specifically says, right? Like, you know, the heart is deceitful who can trust it, right? But then oftentimes our hearts are pointing out like what's going on. Like it's showing us like what we believe, what we think. And so I think part of that is like using the Lord and wisdom uh, and so I would say our thoughts have to be coupled with wisdom and a sense of, okay, if there's nothing actually present that's going on, then making decisions based by faith, right? Which isn't just rational or emotional, but like taking both of those things into consideration, but then going, okay, what would scripture, what would scripture say to this? But oftentimes scripture doesn't speak to a lot of like the little nuances. And so then we would say, okay, what's the wise thing to do here? right? Uh, would it be to spin my wheels and say, I can't do this project and mm. I'm going to fail? Or would it go, hey, I'm going to try to, I feel anxious. I'm going to like do some jumping jacks. I'm going to go run. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do some deep breathing. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to try to take on this project like bite-sized chunks at a time, mm-hmm. right? Okay. All I'm going to do is do this part. Okay. Then I'm going to do this part, right? Or would it just be avoiding it altogether? I and hope. so. Yeah. Both and all and none. Yeah. What about when does it cross into OCD? Um, and then how, like, how do you know, like I've gone too far. I actually need help. Like I can't apply just Bible. Like I need 
medication. I need something else. Well, so I would diagnose OCD almost as like something separate in general. And so I kind of diagnose that as intrusive thoughts. And like the way I would describe it as like they're sticky thoughts, right? And there's lots of different categories of sticky thoughts, right? In the sense of there's a fear of harming. There's a fear of harming others. There's a fear of harming self. There's a fear of germs. Most of the time when people think of OCD, they tend to think of Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to get sick. And there's so many more subsets of OCD. Oh, yes. There's like a fear of sexuality. Yep. There's a fear of I could harm children or there's a fear of I could harm myself. Uh, there's a fear of scrupulosity, right? Like, did I confess enough? We're using some really big words. Yes. Yeah. Scrupulosity is. I'm like, Google, it's religious. What super it's <laughs> Scrupulosity is religious OCD. But I would just pull OCD religious down. OCD. Religious OCD. It's like yep. this fear that if I don't confess, I'm going to minimize it. There could and potentially I've known people be people that have taken that to such an extreme. It's been extremely harmful. Oh like, yeah, this is ca- can you say stuff. a Catholic yeah. might struggle with this, or just they grew oh, up anybody, Catholic. anybody. But if you grew up like with that, you have to do this over and over. There's like an intrusive thought, a sticky thought. We have thousands of thoughts that fly over our head in any given day. But mm-hmm. what happens is they take that thought and go, "Oh my gosh, they stick with it." I must be a bad person. I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? Why would I think that? Right? And then they start to ruminate on that thought, mm-hmm. right? And it's like suds in a bucket and starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, then what happens is they got to do something to alleviate the anxiety that they feel because of their like attending to this thought. And so they do a compulsion. Now, compulsion doesn't always mean mm-hmm. I'm going to line up my shoes in an order, right? Yeah. Or I'm going to give away all my things to God or I'm going to confess out loud. A compulsion could literally be, hey, I'm going to neutralize my anxiety by talking to my mom on the phone for two hours about this obsession or I'm going to avoid this thing, right? And so it's really characterized by a heart of fear. But I would say with OCD, it's generally when there's a lot of intrusive thoughts, right, that aren't coming from you and you start attending to them. And then oftentimes if it's not pure obsession, right, then you're going to a compulsion and you're doing things to help alleviate the anxiety. The problem is that the cycle just continues to like increase. And so I would say with OCD, definitely, you know, see a doctor, get evaluated. There's some really helpful things alongside biblical counseling, uh, ERP, it's called exposure responsive prevention, where I've seen a lot of clients that I've referred to, uh, people that are trained in this, they've gotten so much better, mm. where they really learn not to attend right to the intrusive thought, right? Where it's there, they acknowledge it's OCD, and then they kind of go about their day. And so, wow. And you have to value other things you're getting, like, oh. because that so hurts your relationships and 100%. everything else. 100%. So I think what's motivating you, right, is knowing I want to be better. So yes. my relationships are better. My life is better. Everything else. And again, that goes kind of goes to, man, is my mindset humbled? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Do that. I have like a growth mindset or yeah. it, it, do I know what is best? And this isn't quote unquote OCD. This Mm. is me. This is my brain. Like I am living. And then if you're constantly living in this state of anxiety, right, you know, then you're, your nervous system is going to constantly be be on and it's going to just hijack your health in general, you know? Well, that was my next question is how much of the emotional reasoning part of living in that space all the time with anxiety, with fear, or letting that kind of capture your decision-making, how much of that is also part of just our physical bodies? Like a lack of exercise. Oh. Food reading or whatever. Ton. Is it is I mean, it is it are you seeing that it's tied a lot? You see a difference once people get physically healthy? Yeah. I mean we we live in a time where we are very sedentary. 
I mean, yes, people go to gyms and CrossFits and things for like an hour and a half, but most people have desk jobs. You know, they sit all day, right? We're not moving. We're not making our own mm-hmm. butter, cutting our own wood. We're not We're not doing these things to be active, <laughs> making right? Making our own butter. That's hey, a good one. I, have you ever tried <laughs> to turn awesome. butter? Back in the day, when I was homeschooled for a bit, I remember KK being like, we're going to make our own butter. Yeah, that's, that's I don't mind cutting wood, thing though. again. Yes. Like you get on Insta and there's a lot of people making their own it's butter. It's now going to pop up on all of our phones because they're Cause listening to us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes. We're all get them. I, I mean, I do definitely think that we're living, especially with teenagers, um, we are living in a more, most anxious time. And I, again, I don't know if it's because there's so much evil or so mm. much access to evil or mm-hmm. if it's just because we're really a sedentary culture. You know, we, I think America is like one of the most obese. I think they are the most obese culture um, mm. in the world. And so we're sedentary. We're lazy. I think one of the biggest idols that we have as Americans is an idol of comfort. And so, oh, we were just talking sure. about that today in our life group, how yeah. that's an idol. Someone goes, my idol is comfort. And someone said, I've never even thought of that as an idol. Yeah, I and mean, she was like, absolutely, that is mine. Most people do not want to feel pain, be it physical or specifically emotional pain. Yeah, and most true. people will do anything they can to circumvent or shortcut grieving, lamenting, mm-hmm. feeling pain, feeling anxiety, like, and so I think there's like, and I know we're going to talk about this one. I think there's a both and, and the sense of it's very helpful to be in tune with your body, right? To know, Hey, I feel a little nervous, right? I felt mm-hmm. my chest feels tight. You know, I feel a little grumbling in my stomach. Okay. My heart we, rate's going up yeah. or, yeah, we just want to avoid feeling bad at all costs, which means that our kids, we've said, if this is scary or this is fearful, you don't just stop, mm-hmm. just stop. And so even like taking tests, test anxiety, I see is just through the roof. I mean, mm-hmm. like with kids and it's not, well, if you study better, the mm-hmm. test goes better. Mm-hmm. It's figure out how to get out of the test. Mm-hmm. I mean, or let's not test anymore. Our grades, it's that way. You know what? Everybody's scared of grades now, mm-hmm. or whatever. You're mad. I mean, so you can make up any test you want. You can do, I mean, it's interesting to me how just systemically, not just personally, but like emotions are driving the like systems we put in place in our schools, in our church, like everywhere. Um, and so I don't know, how to, can you even stop that when it's such a big thing? Like, well, the you know moms that picking up their kids when their kids are going through hard times. Yeah. I'm, so the as grassroots, a mom, yeah, like, so if you do grassroots, level. like, if I'm looking as a mom and I'm like, this is the system I'm in, how do I work against that so my kid turns out different? I would say, like, a renewed, renewed emotions come from a renewed mind. It, it, and, well, the reality is it takes time. So my kid is fighting me. No, I don't want to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. No I, suggestions. What do you do? Teenager. I know you see this all the time. 15 year old. It depends. Like, in your practice, I know yeah. that. I mean, like, so what do you suggest to parents? I mean, use? well, oftentimes a couple things like I see is like people don't follow through on consequences, right? Don't threaten to take away something if you can't take it away for 24 hours. And so, especially the phone, right? That's what I hear all the time. I'm going to take your phone. Well, I'm going to take it for a month. Well, but it's always it's, the phone. Surely it's the we phone. can be that more thing, creative that thing's than an idol. I'm like, that thing's an idol for both parents and adults yes. I and mean, parents and kids. But it's that. And I think also like, 
I would say parents' inability to endure and see their kids suffering and emotional pain taps into parents' emotional pain. I don't want to see my kids uncomfortable. And one of the – a couple that I've known for a long time, they always would say, you know, you want to give your kids an emotional vocabulary. And if they're going to fail, they need to fail under your care Um, and not to constantly – rescue your kids right and because they're going to experience consequences when they step out of your home better like for them to experience good discipline Mm -hmm. in the sense of going back to what we talked at at the very beginning like Mm -hmm. better for them to be able to experience like good loving discipline and stick with that so if it's like no I'm not going to do it I'm not taking that test okay we'll hear the consequences for that right and or I'm just not going to study I can always retake it because I'm scared of like I mean it's interesting the anxiety I feel like around so many things now for kids. Oh, I mean for yeah. teenagers. Yes. I mean it's constant. I I rarely do I know anybody who at some point is not saying, yeah, my kids always worried about this, always worried about this, oh, yeah. always worried about that. Well, and you think about it. I mean, they were in lockdown for I don't know how long. That's true. And then they did, you know, online school a lot. And then they're constantly being bombarded with like, hey, there's a global pandemic. And so, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of teenagers took that time to actually grieve and lament and stop and rest and mm-hmm. think. They were just excited that they weren't in school and doing homework. Yeah. You know, but then you've got to take all the like what it's just added. And then the fact that they wore masks, right, for almost a year covering faces and social expressions, like it's going to have an impact on them if it had an impact on us. And so I would just speak more to the kid in the sense of uh, or speak more to the parent because you're never going to be able to control your kid. And so, but you can look at what's going on in your emotional life and going, okay, if you're not willing to endure the difficulty right of this like then what does that say for them yeah. right if like you're not you're not even able to watch them suffer through the growth yes then how are they even going to be able to suffer through the growth right. at all and for themselves? that kind of goes mm-hmm. back to what christy said about discipline right that the lord loves us so much right and hebrews not that he that's right hebrews said that christy quoted, uh-huh. it. So <laughs> christy quoted it hebrews said that mm-hmm. but where the Lord loves us so much but isn't like living in fear and i don't think is so like unhealthily you know, enmeshed with us, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's very much his own, you know, entity, always has been, but uh, that he loves us so much that he can see that and knows the end from the beginning. Uh, generally, I will say enablement and entitlement with kids never goes well. Right. I was um, I was stuck on what, Debbie, how you said that some women will talk about their kids being so anxious and so worried mm-hmm. and I feel like what I have found or noticed is the moms that verbalize that usually are the ones that are also anxious. Uh huh. That yep. cause it. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause it's a strong word, but they they help. I it. think it's like a <sighs> feedback loop. Yep. Yeah, right. it like, is. But she. I mean, like in our house, saying, we don't talk about Rachel being worried. Saying. We don't talk about because I don't want the kids to even hear those words. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I will acknowledge them, but we're not going to sit there and be like, "You're are you so worried?" Are you so, I'm not, like, I'm not actually you. not even going to ask hey, that I'm question. I'm worried about this. And you say, okay. Yeah. But you're not going to sit in it for a long no. time. So then you I'm are going to talk about it, but you're going to move forward. I'm not going to tell, oh, my kids are so anxious and worried. No, they were anxious and worried in the moment. We talked about it. We moved, right. Or they're, they're worried building up to it. But I don't want my kids to hear me even speak that over them. Because essentially you're, like that. you're modeling that for them. Right. And that's when you see. So you'll hear moms or women say something. And they'll even use the word we. And I'll be like, oh, girl, you got to you got to separate yourself. That is your daughter and you have emotions and don't get stuck in the 12 year old 
girl frame, whatever. I mean, and, and one of the things that I think is helpful, even just to kind of like categorize it, is like, eh, is this a trauma or a tragedy that yes. we're fearful of, or is this just is this just difficult? Yes, right. This is difficult. Or it's a tryout. Like you're it's, going to it's a, a tryout. You or yeah. like you're going. I'm putting in a situation. Like a kid is going to go try out, like band, or and they get nervous and they're anxious because they don't know how it's going to happen, but they're still doing it. So then we go. I'm super proud that you're doing it. And yeah. I think that's I'm what I remember amazed. as a teenager yeah. is being worried or anxious about things. I sure. mean, I was, but you just did them anyway. But the reality yes. is, and I think that's the difference. Because you're, yes. like, yeah, Debbie, keep going. That's I don't right. have time for that. Yes. You're got to go anyway. Yeah. Well, parents now might have more time, energy, or money to be like, well, I mean, it's fine. If you don't, we'll just go. And that's Again, what helps that's time. Right? Rescuing, right? You're yes. essentially saying, I, I mean, my parents didn't rescue me out of things. I mean, I remember, in fact, my mom would be like, no, finish what you started. She and might so, laugh at you. She I mean, and so I think it's helpful to be attuned to your child, like if they're anxious, to ask questions, but then also to instill like, hey, this is where we find our hope, right? Which is yes. in the world, right? And we have to continue to renew our emotions. And here's a couple of things I do when I'm anxious, right? This is what I do. And then, hey, we just move forward. And we and pray about it. We pray let's about it. Let's give our thoughts to the Lord. What a great opportunity mm-hmm. to be like, okay, let's pray. But think about this. How many times in faith does God ask us to do things, right? right that we feel like we are incapable of doing mm-hmm. or maybe that okay the lord hasn't changed the desire completely but he our desire is to follow him mm-hmm. right and then the lord changes our emotions as we put feet to those things yeah. and that's what walking by faith is yeah right it's not by sight and so we have to trust like who god is and that he's greater than our emotions um and that it's helpful to be attuned helpful to know what's going on but let's not make decisions based out of well, them and the only thing that's going to in the end teach you you don't have to be scared of something that you fear is by doing it over and over repetition. <laughs> and then, and so, so I think there's a way you can listen and go like, Hey, I get it. I get you're scared of that. I yeah. know this is new for you, whatever. Hey, but that doesn't mean we're making our decision based on that. We're going to yeah. keep doing it anyway. So Creighton hated I mean, slides growing up. He oh. hated slides. Like, like water slides, uh, like slides on the playground. Oh, okay. He um, hated them. He would get to the top and he would scream bloody murder. Because I won the mom of the year award. What did I do? I would push him down the slide every time. <laughs> because I'm like, we're not living in our fears. This could cripple you for the rest of your life. Sure. And I'm not going to raise kids that this is. And he would cry and cry. And then I'll never forget we went to a um, amusement park. And I remember telling Greg, like my husband, hey, so Creighton doesn't like slides. If you're at the playground, he's like, and he's too not. He would never do that. He would never allow Creighton to cry. Like, no, I'm not. And if he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't do it. No big deal. I'm like, well, you push him down. It's great. And so Creighton did not want to get on this ride. And I was like, Greg, it's like the slide. Put him on the ride. And he was like, I'm not putting him on the ride. I was like, dang, nab it. Come on, Creighton, we're going on this ride. And he is just like, I don't want to go. We're supposed to be having fun at an amusement park. And I'm making my kid cry. He gets off the ride and he was like, can we go again? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And Greg was like, that son of a biscuit. He totally like got us. And I was like, no, his fear got in the way that it crippled him. But as parents, that's yeah. our job, right? Like you have to push them down the slide. 100%. You have to like help. I mean, and then there's times that I, I might have gone, well, maybe it was too early to do that. Maybe he, I've now scarred him for life. I mean, there are things I've scarred my children for life on. But you can't coddle. Like, I think if no. you coddle kids, and again, there's such a balance with, I think, knowing and being attuned to one's emotions, being responsive, but then challenging those yes. things. Right? To so go, hey, even though we're afraid, God calls us to step out in our fear mm-hmm. and to walk by faith. And like, I mean, gosh, we have so many godly examples, right? Of people who were not perfect, right? Who did just that. Yeah. And so we're going to go to this tryout and you're going to try out. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think too, is the difference, even in helping our kids challenge 
those emotions, even in us challenging our own, them challenging yeah. theirs. We're not going to do it perfectly. No. We're not going to do it right all the time. Right. We're not. We're going to scar kids. We've told our kids we have scarred you in some way. You may just find out about it later when you're married and all of a sudden you go, Mom, you messed me up. Okay, great. Here's counseling. Mm-hmm. We tell them yeah. all the time. <laughs> I mean, we'll pay for it. Yeah, it was our fault. Whatever. It'll be a gift. But I mean, so we're going to do the best you can. But the point is, we're not going to do it perfectly. So part of that emotional response in and of itself is understanding that that's healthy, is acknowledging there's going to be imperfection in the process yeah. and the learning is going to take time. And so I pushed you down the slide today. Hopefully you won't. Tomorrow you know, it's going to be exactly. something else. Just wait. <laughs> Hopefully you'll still be able to sleep at night, you know, whatever. Well, I mean, but. I think the ability even just to be a parent, take responsibility. And if you do create harm, like unintentionally or intentionally, uh, Asking for, for forgiveness. forgiveness. Yeah. yeah, but I can't tell you how many adult women that have been yeah. in my office that have said, oh, my parents never yeah. did that. Yeah. And, you know, that is one of the things I love about I my father true. was that I can't tell you how many times that um, he would quickly come and ask for forgiveness when he, in his anger, right, may have mm-hmm. lashed out at me um, or said something, which, you know, looking back, you know, and especially <laughs> knowing teenagers, I'm like, oh, I probably deserve that. But... Um, <laughs> He did. And so I, I think that's helpful because that also helps validate pain, right? Yes. You know, just to go, hey, mm-hmm. yeah, you did this, but that was wrong, right? Will yeah. you forgive yeah. me? Because there know? are emotional responses that are legitimate responses to pain that someone has caused. And if you're the cause, then that's yeah. biblical is to ask yeah. for forgiveness of that. I mean, and I think, too, just on a note before we move to the next one, we're not saying emotions are wrong or no. you don't have them. I think... What we're saying is making decisions based on emotion yeah. is not wise. Well, and well, I think it's right? interpreting, right? Because you're interpreting. How do you interpret your emotions? Yeah. How do you, how do you interpret your I feel statements? Yeah. Because that's mm-hmm. how you start. I feel this way. I, and yeah. And I was reading, everything was based on the I feel. I feel, mm-hmm. therefore I am. Yeah. So and then so, how do you interpret your I feel? Yeah. So what I would say, instead of making an identity statement, like, yeah. well, I feel ashamed. I am ashamed. I yeah. feel afraid. I am anxious. Yeah. Right. To go, hey, this is a temporary feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. My body is experiencing anxiety mm-hmm. right my body's experiencing this not really sure ask myself some of these questions done some of these things okay well I'm gonna just keep these are the responsibilities I have and mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep moving forward maybe it means I have debilitating anxiety right I, I need to go to counseling I need to work through these things might need medication right I'm working out I'm doing all of these things it might be helpful but I think it's how we interpret our world, right? Yeah. It's not based through, we don't want to interpret life through the lens of our emotions. We want to interpret life, right? At least reinterpret it through scripture to say, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I feel this way, but what would scripture, like, what does it have to say about what I feel? My feeling, you know, might be as a result, it could potentially really be valid, right? Or maybe it's just a physiological response of being trained in anxiety, mm-hmm. right? But either way, the Lord's still going to ask me to respond by faith. And so that's where I'm going to take my emotions to him. Like, I mean, and the Psalms give us such a beautiful, yeah, you know, just lay out of like, mm-hmm. hey, in my fear, in my sadness, in my anger, I pour out. I mean, they give descriptive language about our emotions, right? Much more so than we do, right? Which is generally why I ask people, like, when you say you're anxious, like, paint me a picture. Tell me what that feels like. What does it look like mm-hmm. for you? Because my anxiety and their anxiety seem to be really different. Yeah. And so, and then going back to scripture and going, okay, but there's this pattern of scripture where you see that people are, you know, bringing their complaint to God they're addressing him they're asking him these hard questions based on his character but then there's always this choice to trust right am I going to choose to trust the Lord like the turn or 
trust myself. Mm. And I think that that's what we have to pattern for ourselves and for our kids is like, do you want to be self-reliant or, you know, reliant on other people or reliant upon the Lord? Up for the Lord, people. Just do it. It's the best answer (laughs) out there. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Polarized thinking. Black and white thinking, not seeing the gray. This was me growing up. I was totally a black and white person. And then I married a man that was all gray. And I think our fights were over the gray. Yeah. So tell me why you think, how do you know you're a black and white person? Oh, easy. Because it was right or it was wrong. It was, it was, there was just no gray. Like I still, even to this day, I have a hard time functioning in the gray. Like I really (laughs) have to be like, this is gray. Like warnings, like the backup, like the truck is backing up and you hear the beep, beep, beep. That's me. Like, oh, gray, I got to back into this. So is that mainly in your head or did you see that come out? And it was my coping mechanism and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. It was just easier to answer black or white. Okay. And it's faster. It is easier a lot of times to be black and white. I would agree. Totally agree with that. And it makes you feel like you're in control. Oh, that too. Like, oh, I'm in control. I have it. This is good. Black and white. Mm -hmm. Or the gray. There's no right or wrong. Mm -hmm. So some people love that. And I don't like those people. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. I love those people. I'm married to one. I love them. (laughs) I just struggle with the gray. Okay. So say more about polarized thinking. So yeah, this would say like dichotomous, right? Where it's like either or, always, never, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times people refer to this as splitting. Right. Mm. You kind of idealize someone, you devalue them. Right. They're either this or they're that. And so um, what I try to gently remind them or my spouse, um, because he did tell me, he was like, you can say that I'm a black and white person. (laughs) And I was like, great, Uh, because I'm one of those great people. Yeah. Um, Is. Uh, I'm hey, married to a black and white person too, and I yeah. tend to be gray. I'm, yes. I'm usually a lot more gray. Um, is I'm like, hey, always and never, right? Can only be assigned to the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, he never changes his. We used mind. to call those big words. Yeah, we say all I need to do is find one place where you're wrong, and then yeah. you've it's that's not yeah. correct, <laughs> and it doesn't mm-hmm. take much to find one instance where that yeah. always is incorrect. So yeah, and and oftentimes this kind of thinking. A lot of people end up with anxiety, mm-hmm, despair, mm-hmm. you know, depression, uh, depression. They can have some difficulty in their relationships, right? When we tend to think this way about people and situations, right? Versus the Lord, right? Where I would say, hey, the Lord is never changing, right? That you, he is fixed, never changing, immutable. You can bank on that. Uh, those big words like go to him. Where I would say with people, it's a both and, right? In the sense of, um, you know, that we would, even when John talks about, uh, it's uh, John the Baptist and it's in the book of John and he's writing, he said that he would increase and I would decrease. Uh, Actually, your brother, Debbie, is the one who taught me this, that it Mm -hmm. would be more Jesus, less Rachel. And so not black and white, right? That it's a gray area where that we would be growing more and more like Christ, less and less like our flesh. But, so with that, I think with black and white thinking, what happens is when we think those things, right, we can feel those things and we can be very polarizing in our statements and our actions, right? And we can see that in the culture that we live in today, right? Specifically around politics, yes. yeah. right? I mean, politics right now is so polarizing, right? That there's got to be some room. I mean, people use that word all the time. Oh, it is, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. if you're not this and you're this, right? And so I'm like, 
I mean, there's room, mm-hmm. right, uh, for us to like negotiate, resolve conflict. The third path, right? That's yeah. often like what I refer to is the Jesus path. Yes, that's a yeah. good path. In the sense of, I think Jesus, Jesus wasn't always a never person, but I think that he just kind of tripped people out because. You know, he was constantly doing things that people didn't expect of him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, his followers and, you know, his enemies. And mm-hmm. so. Well, because I feel like polarization or polarized thinking, there has to be quite a bit of pride in there, right? For us to think mm-hmm. that, we, that we have to, it has to be this way or that mm-hmm. way. Absolutely. So then if scripturally, is that where you go? Is the pride part? Like when you're count, when you're walking, thinking through this, like yourself, like if I'm going, I am a very black and white person. I... I struggle with this all the time. Is that where you go in scripture yeah. to kind of help with that? Is the is kind of passages on pride? Like, or generally, I mean, I try to go with like humility more oh, and just kind of go pros. the pros, not like, always hey, the negative. Where, but I'm going to go to the, the pros. Yeah, like yes. where where do you see this aspect in your life, or actually even what you're saying? Like, could you consider times where this person has? You know, because generally it's around people. People come into my office mm-hmm. complaining about people, right? And so then let's talk about are there places and spaces where this person hasn't displayed this? And I think what's really hard is when people, why people, I believe, like to be polarizing or have this is because it doesn't feel comfortable, right, for someone to display these, you know, evil characteristics and then these, like, you know, kind or gentle That's characteristics. That's right. It doesn't, right? we don't like the... The flip side of character. In other words, yeah. people can have both graciousness and Wrath. cruelty yeah. mm-hmm. at the same time yeah. in their personality. And that's uncomfortable for yeah. us. And yeah. so they don't like that and they mm-hmm. don't want to sit in that. And I just call it the rub where, yeah, both of these things are true. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's where I feel like it's helpful. Brad Hambert talks about not characterizing people as flat people, as just a yes. sinner. Right. Yeah. But then looking at them as you know, sufferers, sinners, humans, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Because we do a lot of things that are human that aren't sinful, right? It's just part of like, you know, being human, whether you're weak or have limitations or preferences, opinions that aren't necessarily sinful. And then I would say if you're believers, right, then you're a saint. But what we have to make sure is we like consider all of those things, right? And then are we willing to be wrong, right? In that sense, like, do you think you know everything about this person or this situation? Are you willing to learn more and actually question your own opinions of someone or something? Yeah. The fixed, the whole fixed versus like growth Mm -hmm. mindset, which I would just say would be humility versus pride, right? In the sense of, am I willing? So the fixed versus growth mindset is basically fixed would be prideful. Yeah. Humility would be you're willing to grow. Yes. And to learn. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. I've read something and I liked it. I wrote it down. It says, when we trade in peacemaking for polarization, kind of the way we think, we cease being people who can see the bigger picture of truth. We cease being people who can be the bigger Mm -hmm. picture of truth. I have three of these points. This comes from Seeking Shalom. I thought this was an interesting article on it. And it says, when we trade in peacemaking for polarization, when we stop seeing our enemies as fellow image bearers, but rather an embodiment of evil or worst. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? And then when we trade in peacemaking for polarization, we opt out for the family business. God is in the family business of peacemaking. So I thought it was interesting because I don't, I didn't think of the, I always like to think of the opposite. And when I was looking at this, I didn't think of peacemaking as being an opposite Mm-hmm. A polarization. Yeah. Is that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Well, is. I mean, I think that goes to the point of like when we like to make people 
like, you know, all bad, all good, mm-hmm. right? Then it, it settles that anxiety within us, right? Yeah. We don't have to feel anxious about it. And then we don't have to do anything. Because right. then if they're like, yes. if we write them off at these evil people, right? That's what then, I used to do. Yeah. I don't like them. Done. Psh, done. done. Or, or, I'm out or, with you. Yeah. And that's not what scripture would say, right? No. Scripture might say, hey, look at the disciples. There's a lot of people that didn't. I mean, they yeah. did not like each other. They were extremely different. They had mm-hmm. lots of different preferences and opinions and sin. And the Lord called them all together, right? To mm-hmm. go, okay, what does it look like to be a peacemaker? And to willing to set aside your pride to go, hey, what they said, could I like listen to this for five minutes? Mm-hmm. Give it five minutes. Mm-hmm. Just listen to it and think about what their thoughts were, mm-hmm. right? Um, can I break bread with them if I disagree with them? Yeah. I mean, I can't now. <laughs> I mean, I would say, you know, we don't want to, we want to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is Jesus is Lord. But then even when people don't believe the same way, like those are the people that we're called to be like reaching out to. So I pulled um, a passage from first Corinthians that I think is one of the biggest proponents of some gray. Ooh, let me turn. Where are we going? First Corinthians where? First Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. And I feel like this is one of those that I just want to talk about a bit because I feel like this is one we avoid sometimes Mm. because I think a lot of times it's hard for believers to read Mm. this and truly understand and know what to do with it. Unless you're a missionary, maybe you're better (laughs) at it. I don't know. But it says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law. That's in parentheses. That I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. In parentheses. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people. That by all means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So... I feel like, I mean, because he waffles back and forth between them. Is that the gray? Yeah, the gray is more, okay, so I'm not this, but I will be this. Mm -hmm. So I'm not this, but I will be Mm -hmm. this. And how Mm -hmm. does this transform and renew your mind? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us can't answer that question. Can you answer the question? I'm, I feel like I am always trying to learn how to answer that question. (laughs) So then my question is, what is the question? So my question is, how do you use this to transform and renew your mind as a believer? So for we're always supposed to be doing that, right? Freedom. And then this, okay, yeah. so freedom for what? From so all the things, we- from the law, from being a Jew, from being under the law, over the law, whatever you want to part of the law you're in, without the law, with the law. How do you do, how do you do this in real time? Well, to like value learning over debating. Um, and I think about Rosario Butterfield, like yeah. in, in her memoir, like, and she just said, you know, the pastor, you know, he challenged her to read the Bible with him, right? And just allowed God to speak truth, for but then sure. just invited her over for dinner. They got to know her. They took an interest in her. They engaged her. They saw her as a whole person. And so it's kind of this idea of value, like learning her over debating her. Well, I just feel like this, as I've as I've worked through this passage, just kind of growing through it, especially the last few years, I feel like a lot of what we do is we shut down, like you're saying conversation Mm -hmm. because for example, and I'll, we'll take the politics part of things. We'll take like climate change, critical Mm -hmm. race theory, all the big things now that Mm -hmm. have become, you know, what all these things that for us are hot buttons. How many of us have been willing to look, okay, 
but I'm going to learn it. I'm going to understand it. I'm going to know how to talk about it in a way that helps me um, get into the gray with people in ministry Mm -hmm. who maybe don't think like me. Right. What you're trying to talk about is like, before we do like thinking through those things, like, and I've heard it said that it's really helpful in an argument with your opponent, right? Besides just thinking about what they're saying for five minutes, if you can actually articulate their side, their view in a way that doesn't devalue them in a way that doesn't degrade them or what they stand for, but actually be able to articulate it in an empathetic way, really like, again, going back to this idea that, okay, everyone is made in the image of God. And so like being able to talk about it and like summarizing their points to them. Right. And then actually asking them to kind of expound on it more. Right. Well, and I think with this passage itself, I'm not saying is gray or black and white. I'm saying this passage is calling us to be more gray than what we're comfortable with. What this is saying to me is there's a lot more room to jump in the gray and there's a lot of areas for ministry in the gray. Yeah. And there's not as much ministry in the black and white. But that's just me. I don't know. My head hurts right now. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no. Well, because I'm still stuck on some of it. Like, it's it's calling people to win those who are under, Mm -hmm. that I might win those who are without the law, that I might, I may by all means save some. I can do all things for the sake of the gospel so they may become a fellow partaker of it. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's asking you to go to the, go into the gray, but it's giving you, it's, Giving you freedom to do that. It's giving you freedom yeah. to be gray. It's giving you freedom to go into the areas that you're not comfortable with. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with you on the gray. That's maybe where I'm What's getting it? hung up on. I think she's mm. talking about, I mean, are you talking about flexibility? Yeah. 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 I mean, because I would think rigid, yeah. right? rigid is black and white. Rigid yeah. is black and white. And flexible to Correct. be flexible, right? And yeah. this is generally kind of going back to like yeah. a humble pride mindset, right? Is is your thinking flexible yeah. in the sense of, or do I have rigid so thinking? So you're saying people that are really rigid thinking are black and white. Yeah. This is, ca- but it's calling them to do it. That's why I don't understand. Like That's what a, I'm saying. Like it's a command. You just yes. do it. But I'm saying that I don't, I really think a, a lot of black and white people who are black and white struggle with actually how to put this into practice. So you're saying like to outsiders, it might look like Paul's life is inconsistent because yeah, that he's is doing absolutely true, whatever he can yeah. to win Waffles. people to Christ. Not in a sinful way, right? I mean, he's not doing anything that opposes like the word of God and God himself. Yeah. Right. But essentially going, hey, I, I can, I can like participate if it builds a bridge. Yes. Not again, not participating in sinful things, but participating maybe in this Jewish ceremony if this builds a bridge with like the Jews. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's not permission, right? To go and have an affair. It's not permission to go and do all, you know. But it is permission to say, I can land in things that I'm in, learn and go and push yeah. and be missional. And if you live under the law or these things, then he's saying you can, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. You don't have to live under the law. Well, I think this goes to the point. Interesting conversation I had and y'all could totally disagree with me, which would be fun if you did. Um, a lady called and her family member is getting married. Her, her niece, let's see if I can get the right humans. The niece is getting married to another female. So she wants to go support her sister. The niece knows that she does not agree with her marriage. She does not biblically speaking. She still loves her niece and she is struggling on whether or not she should go to the marriage of the niece. To the wedding ceremony itself. Yeah. Okay. And she's struggling. Well, I've heard people say, well, I'm not going because it's wrong. It's not a real marriage anyway. And and then I've heard some people go, well, I'm not going to go, but I'll go to the reception. 
so you can work through that one. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And some people saying I am going to go. And so you're saying I'm going. I know. Yeah. So what yeah, are y'all's true. thoughts on that? Because that's what this is. Because I think yeah. feel like I looked at her and I said, this is a thing with you and God. Yeah. You There's nothing in scripture. She even said, I thought it was interesting. She was, I wonder, what does the church have to say on this? And I thought, this is not a tradition. This is not a church. This is not a pulpit. Mm-hmm. This is a thing between you and the Lord. And so that's the gray area that's that exactly she's That's exactly what I'm talking about, yes. is that yeah. kind of conversation. Because yes. I think the black and white would be, nope, you don't go. Nope, it's bad. Right. It's wrong. Right. Right. They struggle with Paul, I would say, what he's saying here. Yes. And so whereas I would agree with, that's a great, yeah. I think, demonstration of this passage is, but each person in their interaction with the Lord and what he's calling them and how he's calling them to minister to the people in their life right. is going to have to make right. that decision, right? I'll push even harder. What if it is somebody that identifies as a Christian, right? And they are going to a yes. church mm-hmm. that is affirming of LGBTQIA yeah. Right. You go Do you and support go that ceremony. And then? support yeah. that ceremony. Yeah. And so, I mean, I could answer just from, because like I've wrestled with those questions. So like I am ordained in the state of Texas. So what I believe is for me, it would be um, going against my conscience to perform a wedding ceremony mm-hmm. of a same sex couple, even if I identify as believers. Now, what I would do, right, and and have uh, people in my life uh, as lots of conversations, right, about their sexuality and and honestly about the gospel, right. I'd yes. rather them be a Christ lover than yes. heterosexual. That's a secondary, um, right, secondary issue. issue. And then like, hey, what does this mean? And then also, this is I mean, my husband and I were literally having this conversation the other night. I'm like, hey, I could be really wrong in this yeah. like I don't know because he's saying this person is I was like yeah but we know them by their fruits right well is have they repented mm-hmm. when it's repentance occurred I don't know I think I would be I would probably support them in going in this sense of support as hey I'm not seeing or identifying you as somebody that's walking right biblically in truth that has repented yeah. right from this maybe the lord will grab you later on right I, but i'm somebody who loves jesus right who man i if if this thing goes south which hey 50 percent of marriages go south, south. right I, I, then i want Same to be able to speak truth like mm-hmm. because that's the biggest issue is your heart um and so I, I mean i think that that's probably more where i would go obviously they would know what my stance is and believing hey i don't believe that this is you know uh two believers and the lord is approving of mm-hmm. this and that's where i land right would I officiate? No. Would I attend? I probably would attend. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this is what got me one time. Romans 2, 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing, but the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Yeah. And I just think how you, we need to be overly kind to people if we want them to repent. Don't yeah. scream at them. Yeah. Don't turn away from them. Walk with them. And that's what Preston Sprinkle, who does a lot yes, of stuff, so and great, he is really voice. good about that and exposing us to don't they they do not throw the scripture at them. No, don't do, they know? Do, do you Just know, love them. I mean, I I came. I mean, I was raised in the church. I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus until I was in my mid twenties. I would say twenty three. But I mean, it was a girl. I was in grad school, feminist focused grad school. I had no idea. I just I just wanted to go to grad school yeah. and counseling. Right? I didn't really 
know what was going on. But then I'm surrounded all, by all these atheists or anti-deists and I'm like, oh my goodness, right? And I've actually had to start questioning, what do I believe? Do I say I believe this? My life doesn't reflect these things. And I remember uh, I was at TWU and I was outside smoking a cigarette and um, and the Lord just brought a sweet friend into my life who is a believer who loved Jesus. And she stayed out there and she would talk with me yeah. and like engage and talk to me while I'd like smoke these cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> And she really loved me and yeah. uh, just, you know, where I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have any tolerance mm-hmm. uh, for who I was yeah. um, back then. Kindness brings another repentance. Great, another great example. I just think the black and whiteness can really, in the minds of believers, I mean, and I would say it's uniquely sometimes in evangelical circles, a westernized evangelical thing. I don't know in the mission field. I don't think, I don't think there's as much room to be black and white. Um, at least it wasn't in my life. Like my dad had to make some decisions and really push against his own kind of personal upbringing, um, to be in a position where he could say, where he could present the gospel to people who wouldn't have been otherwise. I mean, think about missionaries in Italy. For sure. I mean, I know, I mean, I have a friend who was a missionary in Italy who drank wine because Mm -hmm. she was like, actually seen extremely disrespectful if I you didn't don't. well that's yeah. it my one of one of the guys my dad led to Christ my dad had never would his both his parents were alcoholics when he grew up he did not want to drink ever um because of that and because of um just kind of he felt like there was some big biblical context for that but a next door neighbor of ours was like I'll listen you show the gospel but you have to have a beer with me because he thought that would be mm-hmm. the my dad prayed about that for a week that's funny. And so then, he would have struggled. He struggled. He struggled. He's that but, Oh, and he was with the Navigators. So yeah. the Navigators oh, were yeah. back then, especially. I mean, they've grayed up a little bit, but they were oh. super, super black and white. So legalism is black so, and white. Oh, for okay, sure, yeah. I would say. Okay, just making and, sure. Yeah. And so, but he was like, you know what? He and my mom prayed about it. They were like, we really actually, as we're struggling with this, we don't see anything to say I shouldn't. So he did, he sat back on that back porch, shared the gospel with him. They became good friends. And, you know, he became a believer. His wife became a believer. Kids over a beer. Over, over a beer. beer. I mean, and my dad uses that example sometimes because he's like, I could have let sure. my own kind of what I guess we would say polarized polarized thinking. I don't, you know, stopped me from stopped me from doing that. Um, so I just think of that kind of context, and now we have so many contexts of that. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, we've got the weddings, we've got alcohol, we've got um, so many of the political contexts of things we've gotten wrapped up in. Politics is a whole nother beast. That pull, pull us black, but it's, man, people black and white in that thinking uh-huh. so much. And mm-hmm. I just, I think there's a lot more gray than what we're willing to do a lot of times. And I think that's what Paul's talking about there, mm-hmm. right? I mean, well, that's where the Holy time. Spirit comes in, right? When you enter into the gray area of mm-hmm. like, Lord, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And really praying and asking for guidance is where he is like, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I was mm-hmm. hoping you would ask me. So that you can get through this gray a little bit easier. And sometimes there's not a clear decision and you just yeah. have to make one That's and right. say, Lord, please help me. And I hope I'm doing this right. And yeah. I'm going to lean on you. And we're yeah. going to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I've heard know? with like biblical decision making, like does scripture speak to it? Well, if there's nuances, then no. And then I would say, you know, what a wise people, varied wise people, not all that are in the same camp, but I would say all that love the Bible all that love the church, that love Jesus. Like, right? do you have wise people you can yeah, go to? Yeah, that you can go, hey, present this, pray with this. Yeah. You know, you guys enter into prayer. And then I would say, okay, make your decision. And then I, I try to ask myself the question, and I teach this to my sister's kids. Hey, like, what, what's the wise thing, right? Not necessarily 
scripture might not speak to it. So I would just say, so in this situation, what's yeah. wise? Yeah. You know, and you may have different agreements on that but we you're going to do the best you're going to do the best you can right, right? Yeah. i mean and god's going to cover it yeah and yeah and then yeah for sure so okay couple questions before we leave um those are super easy questions you're about so to okay. ask well we've already asked a couple of those. <laughs> oh, okay i but i did want to ask real quick with the emotional reasoning and the polarized thinking um what is dangerous about them like if you're stuck in here and you're like, I don't want to get out. Actually, I like the way I like basing my decisions on emotions because I want to avoid this fear, this anxiety, whatever. I like my black and white thinking because it's easier. That makes it easier for me to live, whatever. What's dangerous about doing that? I mean, I think emotional reasoning leads to like self-fulfilling prophecy, which is almost like a victim mentality in the sense of I don't have choices. Life just happens. Right. And there's a lack of personal responsibility. And so I would say the danger again would be missing out, you know, difficult relationships, depression, anxiety, uh, different things like that, that would be, that would have major impacts on, on every aspect of your life with that. And then I would say with like the polarized thinking, um, I mean, again, difficult relationships, difficult in a job environment. I mean, who wants to be around the person that's always right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, no, we have a culture nobody. of that. Nobody. nobody wants I mean, we that. don't, yeah. we don't yeah. like that. Yeah. And so, well, we just end up gravitating to the ones that are right, that yeah. we think we? are right too, that we think are right no, too. Yes, like we, the ones camps. that think like us. Yeah. yeah. Our camps. Yeah. Our camps. So I would say the first yeah. one leads, I feel like to a little bit more victim mentality, lack of responsibility. And then I'd say the second one can also lead to a lot of anxiety, a lot of like, you know, conflicted relationships, some depression, but also it leads to pretty, some arrogance. Like, but I would say both of those, you're like, we wouldn't be humbling ourselves um, just to see what the Lord has to say. And I think the biggest thing um, I was telling this to my stepdaughter is I was like, hey, we actually can question what we think. Like, it's not, like bad thing yeah like we're actually supposed to Mm -hmm. right our thoughts are you know there may be intrusive thoughts but like it's not an automatic thing where actually reflect and like we need to learn how to think about what we're thinking about and so generally I'll tell people like hey sit in some silence if that freaks you out that's that's another subject for a different time but sit Mm -hmm. in silence think about what you're thinking about write it down and reflect on it in a journal Mm -hmm. like what does this say about me what does this say about others what does this say Mm -hmm. about God what does this say about what I think about God. What I think about God. What I think about myself. What I think about others. Oh, I'm noticing a pattern here, right? It's fun when you do that too. And then when you open up or do your quiet time or just open the Bible, it's funny how those go together. Oh. I mean, it's, it's true. It, every time. Yeah. yeah. You could have that moment and then be like, well, I'm going to read the word and whatever I'm going to go to. And you're like, we're in Leviticus. Well, look at that. The Lord's teaching me something about what I just journaled in Leviticus. Yeah. It's amazing I, how that works. I mean, and one of the it's things true. like, you know, with counseling and and I would say biblical counseling from started from the garden and and the rest of counseling was kind of copied from that Mm -hmm. is like, you're going to see so much of counseling. It's really teaching you to question your thought life. Yeah. Right. And scripture validates that scripture has been speaking to that since the beginning. Right. Which is why people don't like counseling because you don't give answers. Sure. Like they will go in in that box of how you interpret the world around you right there in your belief system. You're all in there. Well, it's kind of the idea of looking at, tell me what I wanted to hear. (laughs) And she didn't tell me what to do. Yeah. I mean, my thing is like, if you don't actually, if you're not obedient to scripture, which I mean, are any of us like perfectly obedient to scripture? No, only Christ was. But if you have a hard time putting into place some of the things that the Lord has asked you, why do you want me to tell you what to do? I mean, mean, (laughs) that's a good point. I mean, 
<laughs> I don't, you know, you don't need another person telling you. You can, I'll show you. And that is the difference, but right, between a believer and a non-believer. Yes. And so I think in the end, that's what we're pointing to, to as well. You have to decide, am I a believer or am I not a believer? Yeah. Yes Choose or no. today who you're going to serve. That is a black and white thing. Am I going to serve God or am I serving I would say that, else that, 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 that is black and white. Yeah. yeah like, I'm going to serve the one true God or... Yes. Yeah, that I that I would say there is not a a gray matter. In, There's not. And Jesus. so I think but you live that out every day. Your yeah. decisions are you going to serve God? Are you going to send to serve, or serve all these other idols you've made? Yeah. You know, comfort whatever it is. I, I, that's why I've I've been loving watching The Chosen cuz I just yeah. love I I've, I've loved the last two episodes of season 3, mm. especially when I know they've ad-libbed and it's like, you know, creative license, right? But some of the things uh, and I don't want to spoil it, but that, you know, Peter wrestles with with Jesus in the end of season uh 3 and episode 8. It's phenomenal because I've actually had those conversations. Oh. You help you help everybody else. But not what me. About me. me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah. Right? And then his words to him, I'm like, Yeah, I mean that's that's biblical. I mean it's not specifically quoted in scripture, but I'm like, I've said that to clients before yeah. about yeah. like about him. So I mean that's essentially I think yeah, we all want to know what to do, but like when the Lord tells us what to do, do we do it? Do we do it? Mm. That's exactly right. The Lord it's tells us it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's right there. All right. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. So fun. It it's so great fun to Thanks, have guys. you. Good to see you, it was to see you so guys fun. too. That was so good. And we'll have you back. We're doing Love more of these. Love spending time so. with y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's a lot of fun. Yes. And um, hopefully you guys out there got something from today, from all our meandering <laughs> no. back and forth. It was good. Emotional reasoning and polarizing thinking. There That's you go. right. There we go. Okay. So if you feel like you struggle with that, people, then, you know, come on, yeah. go against it. Yes. Attack it. I mean, there's only Pull like what? The layers. 15 cognitive distortions oh, or something. Mm-hmm. A bunch. 10 to 15. Maybe all of them. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, it's just schemes of the enemy. That's what I would say. Look all that. Schemes of the enemy mm-hmm. to go. Hey, and I would say, way. though, there's still, there's some, we haven't gotten to mine yet, but there's a couple on here that I definitely tend to do. Oh, more me than too. Others. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not a polarization <laughs> person. I'm not an emotional reason person, but I would say. There's some other There's ones some on others there. on there yeah. pr- that we haven't gotten to yet that will flay me up pretty good. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. What is that? Yeah. Tell me. I'm going to show up. I want to hear all, all right, about that's it. That's it from us, y'all. Um, until next time, this is Noisy Narratives out. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Life can be amazing. Whoa.